you like to watch Survivor and slog through the nadir, then season 40's awesomeness will make you want to cheer. We're all just so excited to watch these winners play, but we're still lazy so this podcast comes out on Friday. John will make some dumb jokes, and he likes to yell and scream, but now we're watching 20 winners play and it feels like a dream. We'll spend the whole time freaking out and judging the best move, and anything that Tony does, you know that we'll approve. It's the Purple Rock Survivor Podcast. Winners at war! Welcome to the Purple Rock Survivor Podcast. I am John, back with Andy again this week, fulfilling our commitment. We are now two for two in our pledge to stay strong, to stay Original Purple Rock, old school strong this whole season. How you holding up, Andy? It's been two solid weeks now. Uh, you know, as long as I have my core old school alliance, uh, I think we can get this done. And I don't really need it to be more than two people. Okay, I just, I want to make sure, like, Emma's not going to come in and fuck this all up for us or anything, right? I believe we already voted her out for trying. <laughs> it would be consistent with the arc of this season because she does fit the demographic profile of those that have been voted out so far. No, that wasn't on our, 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 our uh, you know, schedule to talk about, but real quickly, um, obviously, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate trend both in this season and, um, in this show of Survivor. Uh, one thing that's interesting is like, the woman never seems to be Rob's first choice. It certainly wasn't like here. He wanted to take, he, he was, you know, targeting Jeremy or Ben. And it always seems to go the other way. You know, it's like, uh, I'm not suggesting the man is progressive at all, but it just seems, you know, like he's the guy who like, you know, goes after Matt or goes after Russell instead of poverty. I don't know. Just one thing I kind of noticed is uh, while, while people are bringing that up, we might need to look at who is targeting the women. Yeah. I want to say that he explicitly said, which one of these men are we going after? Or guys, I don't remember which term he used, but I think it was pretty obvious that he was intending to take out a man this episode. Yeah, and it's just like he frequently is, and yeah, maybe it's that's a, a different kind of sexism exactly. or something, but uh yeah, it is interesting, because yes, uh, what we ended up getting was, you know, one woman targeting another woman, and thus th- yeah, uh, that woman going home. Unfortunate. Except the, except for the part of the one that went home. Not unfortunate at all. Indeed. That being said, how did you enjoy this episode overall? Uh, it wasn't as good as the first. Uh, and I think that's just, um, natural. Like the first just was pretty epic. And, it, you know, we had two hours for three days and, and we just had the rush of feelings back of like seeing these people. Obviously, yeah, it's not quite the same, but it's still pretty good. Like in the end, I'm still like, oh yeah, I'm ready for more. It's just, you know, it was a little more. Uh, just just a, a fewer uh, fireworks this time around. I got to say, I don't feel like we lost much shine. Like, I am still optimism level 100. Like, this oh, this yeah. is just fucking fun. I'm really enjoying it, and I'm looking forward to it. Episode ended, and once again, I was like, oh, man, I got to wait a whole week. My wife and I both looked at each other like, oh, I want to watch it now. I want to binge this thing. You get so spoiled by streaming, you know, that you just you forget that waiting a week was the thing that we all had to do once upon a time. 
Yeah, ultimately, I wouldn't want to stream. I, I mean, I, like the feeling, absolutely, of like oh, I could watch more minutes of this thing. I want to see, you know, the you know what's going to happen next is absolutely there. But I mean, obviously, a huge part of the fun we have with Survivor is spending the week discussing what happened and what will happen. Yeah, uh, and you lose that with streaming. Yeah, uh, it's kind of the reason this podcast exists. In fact. Yeah, it literally is like you're you're trying to put us out of business, which honestly is probably a good business choice given that this is a negative value business um in all senses of that term. <laughs> uh but no, like yeah, I I I'm really enjoying it. I'm really excited and you know where things are going to go. Uh, even if they're not going the way I'd want them to, they're going to go a nice way. There's so many great people, you know, both from as game players and as, you know, television products. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited. It's just, uh, yeah, not everything can be the premiere. Yeah. And I think from a television perspective, I don't know that the loss of Danny was the most devastating for me. Um so I'm perfectly willing to accept that, especially when put in contrast with the potential of losing Parvati, which would have been devastating. Yeah, I mean, it's like we said last week, or maybe just like I said, and I always just mostly listen to myself. Uh, you know, it's where you know where your loyalties lie. When, like, all of a sudden, like, somebody that you may have previously been interested in seeing or liked is, you know, pinned up against somebody you really like, you're like, ah, go, die, die, I don't care, you, you could leave. Um, now this really wasn't that close. Uh, Danny was somebody we were both like, uh, oh yeah, it's kinda cool, she's coming back, it's great that the show is, you know, acknowledging the existence of the lost season, but, you know, she was still, you know, near the bottom of my rankings of uh, people I was interested in seeing, so she can go. And more importantly, I how much of the blame for her downfall do you put on Danny? It's a little hard to know. Yeah, of course. Just because we, we only have her perception of not being invited into the Alliance and not being treated fairly by them. Um, regardless, just going with what we saw on screen, loose lips sink ships. That's a thing. Snitching on your Alliance to someone outside of your Alliance in full view of someone within your alliance is always a bridge too far. <laughs> like I, I don't know what she was hoping would happen there. Maybe her read was that Ethan would be cool with that. If we're being super generous to Danny, she's at least 50% responsible for her, her own boot here. Yeah, I'm going to say she's all of it. All the whole way. This all, is all on her. Uh, her feeling the way she felt. Yeah, I think we could put some of the responsibility on the people who did not do a good enough job to ensure she doesn't feel that way. So, yeah, she especially calls out poverty in this respect. Um, but even, even if you feel that way, right? You feel like you're being left out of these discussions. You know, you, you know, somebody's going home. Paranoia is always going to happen. Um, the way she approaches it, that's not the way. Like, you know, if you like really feel left out and that you felt like you were aligned with, uh, you know, Parvati and Rob and all that, which they, we certainly saw them like reach out to her. I think that we certainly saw them, you know, propose and talk about the idea of an old school alliance. I don't know if Danny was in a true alliance with them. Um, you know, judging by what happened, if it was, it wasn't a very long one. Uh, but like, if you're feeling left out, you should at least maybe try and talk to them, you know, suss it out, see what's going on. Maybe you don't, you know, fully, you know, be vulnerable and it's like, why aren't you guys talking to me? But like, like her move was just to be like, it's me. Okay. It's me. And then it's me. And it's like, it was not her in an, like, I don't think there's any reason to suspect that anyone was thinking that it was going to be her until they made, until she made that happen. 
Yeah, as uh, Emma pointed out, this is not how the under under the radar player was supposed to play. <laughs> like she very much went from nice and hidden to hey, it's me, the tallest blade of grass. Let's get hit by the lawnmower. Yeah, and like I guess there's like a world in where um you know the Adams and you know Michelle's of the world uh feel like they want to take a shot at the old school. But as evidence throughout the episode are not willing to take like a really strong shot, then maybe then Danny gets targeted, but that is not what happened. She feels vulnerable, which is a, you know, a common and understandable feeling and bad job on, you know, Rob and Sandra for making her feel that, or not Rob and Sandra, <laughs> Rob and Parvati. For Less making so her- with Sandra. Yeah, I mean, I have no doubt that Sandra could make her feel that way. Uh, but, uh, Rob and Parvati making feel that way. And, you know, a, Especially poverty. It must be noted that, you know, when Danny feels this way, she goes to Rob. So I feel like he at least made enough of a connection with her so that she felt like she could go uh, to Rob with her master plan to target his number one ally. Which, again, kind of brings up something that I – one of my takeaways from this episode is like, huh, I, I do wonder how apparent it is to the rest of their tribe that Rob and poverty are each other's number ones, at least currently. Because Adam, this will come up later, but Adam, when there's a suggestion that maybe they give half of an immunity idol to Parvati, is like, no, why would you give it to Parvati? Never mentioning, like, hey, she's also tied to Rob. I I think it might be that they're doing a good job of keeping it casual enough that people just think that they're aligned, but not a tight bond. Yeah, although later in the episode, Adam also mentions that, like, maybe they should be taking a shot at poverty because, you know, they're, it's too soon to go after Rob. So, yeah, there is at least a feeling of connection that, like, losing poverty would weaken Rob. So I, I think, you know, he, and maybe like Jeremy or some others are, are aware of it, but, you know, clearly like Danny wasn't. <laughs> like, that's, you know, and again, that's where I have to, again, put this all on her. Like, she did this to herself, you know? The feeling of uh, isolation and all that, maybe that's not all her. Uh, but not being able to control her paranoia and, you know, direct it in healthy ways. Cause like, you know, there's a world where she feels this way and she actually does get poverty out. That world involves, you know, some level of subterfuge. It involves not going to rob. Um, and no, nah, she didn't have that you know, bag and uh, club in her bag. Like it was just a complete disaster. Like this, this was a uh, an incredible fall. I'm not saying a fall from grace because you know, the truth is none of us really knew what kind of player Danny was. But it was, you know, she got panicked and she went poorly for her. Yeah, I mean, even taking into account the paranoia, some bad reads there, right? Yeah, you want to give them as much slack as you can. But at the same time, even if you say like, oh, okay, maybe she didn't realize how tight Rob and Parvati are, maybe just suss them out slightly differently than going full frontal assault. Yeah, like, and we don't know that, of course, doesn't happen, right? We never know what doesn't happen. Um, But, you know, based on the behavior, I think we can make a reasonable assumption that, you know, not much of something like this happened. Like, we... It doesn't feel like she even went to them with this. It was just, that's it. They're voting me out. And then I, I have to do something to save myself. And it's like, you could go talk to them and maybe get a little more data before you jump to that conclusion. I'm not saying right away. It'd be like, I feel like you guys are going to vote me out and all that. Cause yeah, of course they'll lie to you, but like, go talk to them, go talk and find out what's up and then make a better assessment of whether you feel like it's you or it's not. 
I have a feeling that if she had gone and talked to them, they would have been giving her targets that aren't her. The people that, you know, we see Rob discussing. Ben or Jeremy or whatever. Because, uh, you know, she's like, nobody's telling me anything. It's like, I, I, again... I, I don't know how long she was left to twist in the wind, and you know, I will repeat again, it was a bad move. One, no matter how long it was, it was a bad move because clearly she ended up feeling that way. And if somebody who you are at the very least wanting to work with, if not fully aligned to, feels that way, then you haven't done your job in not making them feel that way. But like, yeah, there, there's there were so many other things she could do, and no, instead she was just like, I know it's me, so now I have to do something. And it's like, it, it wasn't you until it was. <laughs> well, you know, I've seen a lot of takes today about how terrible it is that uh, Rob and Ethan and Parvati have just imploded their alliance. They've they've destroyed the old school alliance. How How devastating of a move do you think this was for them? I mean, like, it would have been better to not vote out somebody who previously wasn't looking to go after you. Um, somebody who you could fold into an umbrella called an old school alliance. Uh, but, you know, for one, I, uh, I think we might all be overselling how much of an alliance those four people were. But I think another thing that's happening a lot is that people, because we see Rob Poverty and Ethan as a, a trio, most definitely are, right? That they're thinking, well, that's not a majority. And great math, that's absolutely true. Not a majority. Not in, a, in a group of now eight, that is not a majority. But I don't know that it's five on three. And that's why I think people are, are treating it the way. Now, it could certainly become five on three. All it takes is these, you know, the other five to sack up a bit and decide that, you know, we're going to move up against those other three. Um, but I think it's more like three on two on two. Uh, and an extra one somewhere? Like, I, I don't know if it's as a dire situation. The worst situation would have been Danny staying. Actually, the worst situation would have been losing Parvati. Yes. Um, which was kind of the alternative they were going for. And frankly, not just the move that Danny was going for, but one that the other group was considering, you know, regardless of Danny's feelings on the matter. Uh, so yeah, no, she had to go. Uh, she's proved not a strong, uh, reliable ally in the way that she, you know, comes up to you and discusses voting one of you off. That, that's a, that's a, that the alliance, is, if it was an alliance, it was broken before they cast a vote for Danny. But it's just like, I, I still don't know if that really matters. It would have been better if she was around, but I don't know if it materially hurts them the way that some people are suggesting well, it does. Well, in the way that it would not have been better if she was around is because, like you said, her target was Parvati, and the target that other people were at least willing to consider was Parvati. So at that point, if you're the Rob, Parvati, Ethan portion of that alliance, maybe you say, hey, I'm not going to push real hard to move this to Jeremy or Ben. How about we make a target we can all agree on and take out Danny and prove there's not an old school alliance? Yeah, and... Does removing Danny, who everybody else knows was moving on Parvati anyway, prove anything about an old school alliance? Maybe, maybe not. Probably, at least, you know, gives you a talking point. Right, gives you some cover. Yeah, and I think what you can do there, because another reason why Danny had to go, even if somehow you could rein her back in, is when, you know, she, uh, Ben, and Ethan are talking, and she's all like, oh, I thought we were an old school alliance, and Ethan had to be like, hey, uh, you know, Ben is um, not old school at all. He was here like two years ago. 
It's possible that some of his refuse is still in this jungle from the last time he was here. That is how not old school he is. Uh, which that in itself is like, nah, she's gotta go. Like, this is not somebody that we can work with. Um, I think what you could then maybe say to the group is like, we don't have an old school alliance. That's just the lie we were telling Danny. Right. And to be fair to that Rob Parvati Ethan Alliance, which I am certainly biased towards, because I like them. Mm-hmm. Danny already had her second chance. Like, why give her a third? Why not give someone else a first chance to be the, the number four in that alliance? You know, like Jeremy's out there, Michelle's floating out there, even Ben is floating out there. It's a riskier one, but you know, you have other options. I don't feel like you have to, you know, work so hard to bring Danny back into the fold. Yeah, and I think like the big discussion where this looks again. It would have been better if Danny didn't freak out and try to vote one of them out. Like, if they would have exited this episode, you know, the more ideal position would have been to take out Ben and Jeremy, Ben or Jeremy, like they were discussing. Um, and now, and with Danny on your side, and now it looks like it's four on four, and, you know, I think we can reasonably bet that the will of the four that include Robin Poverty, uh, would outscore the will of the people who, um, are unwilling to vote against mm-hmm. those two. Um, so that would have been better. But where I can't get to is that things have gotten worse for Rob and Poverty. They just didn't get better. You know, from the first episode, it actually looked like, you know, not only was it shocking that they weren't targeted, but like maybe they're going to you know, really build some headway. And I think, you know, this episode disproves that both, you know, with Danny targeting them, with having to vote out Danny, and more importantly, that people are talking like we have to do something. I mean, should we do it now? I don't know. Do you want to do it now? But they're still talking about it, right? Um, but. Robin Poverty were in a bad position before they set foot on this beach. Like, everybody watching this season assumes that they were going to be targeted early and often. So every time they survive a vote where nobody's really coming after them is a huge win because that's one more time that they're going, they're, they're surviving in this game. So ultimately, like, yeah, it would have been better to have Danny as a potential alliance, but they're not any worse off. You know, people are like, there's a big target on them now. Now, always, always, there was always a big target on them. They have not done anything. In fact, they can't do anything to put a bigger target on themselves. Uh, it's there. It's always going to be there. It's ever present. And I think, you know, some people aren't comfortable with that way of thinking because, yeah, they, one of them could be the next person going out and it would not shock me at all. Just as it never would have shocked me at any point in time if one of them had left. Um, so like, but they didn't go home yet. Yeah. Under the radar is not really an option for Rod, Rob and Parvati. Like, the radar is laser-focused on them. So, it, I don't know what you expect them to do. They're going to remain the biggest targets out there unless Sandra somehow gets shuffled onto this tribe. Um, and even then, no, I mean, is Sandra going to outrank them? No. Like, I feel like Sandra is the one you keep around longest because she's the easiest to get. Yeah, and I do think, like, you know, the counter-argument is, like, look at the job that Sandra and Tony have done getting the target off of them. And to which that, I'll say, it's like, well, we don't know for sure, right. for one. That's one They've vote. had one vote, and we've had two. And that one vote was basically a proxy vote against Rob. Yep. So all that tells me is that Rob is a bigger target than them. Not that, that, you know, so, and that, which tells me that it's going to be incredibly difficult for Rob to take the target off of him, except that he has! He has! And I think that's getting undersold because people can't wait to dance on his grave. And it's like, man, you're gonna get your turn. Just wait. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's 
a rush to condemn this vote because it proves that Rob or Parvati or whoever has lost it. It's never Ethan. It's, it's Rob or Parvati that they're talking about. And generally Rob, honestly. They've lost their fastball because, you know, uh, they blew up their own alliance. They screwed up with Danny. But like, okay, now look who's left. As you mentioned, it's not like there's a strong five against them. There's this group and it's really Adam and Denise are pretty well aligned. Then, I mean, I guess you could say Ben is with Adam and Denise, but I don't feel like it's a really strong bond. Adam certainly doesn't. Jeremy and Michelle, I don't feel like we have any kind of read as to where they're leaning. And I think if you know anything about Jeremy's previous game and the game that he plans to play coming into this, Jeremy's game involves the need for meat shields. Now, look at the options for Jeremy. You can go with Rob, Parvati, and Ethan, or you can go with Adam and Denise. Which of those two presents a more viable meat shield for you? A meat shield strategy for you? Yeah, which isn't to say, like, he won't do it, especially because, you know, being left out of that vote and, you know, wanting some control. Like, again, they, this group could make a move at any time against sure. that group. But I think we have to turn around our thinking about, like, what success is for Robin Parvati. And success is constantly putting somebody else in front of you in the boot order. And it's, you know, and that's where it's going to be for them is survive in advance. And I think, you know, a lot of people are more comfortable, probably because it's a more successful technique of success being having, being in the majority and having a level of control. And I just, I don't know if that's going to happen. You know, we had one hope maybe that would happen with the, you know, I mean, basically the poker. Right, exactly. Um, That had been a real thing. Yeah. uh, But no, that's not going to happen. Uh, So yeah, this is what it's going to have to be is they're going to have to constantly get somebody to fall in front of them and they keep surviving so long that now it's a situation where it's hard for them to take out. And it's hard to argue that that's not exactly what's happening. And I don't just mean the fact that two people have been voted out before them, but we've seen what's happening with other group. Yeah, they know. They know that they need to target these people, but they're scurred. They're so scurred. And that, I think, Robin Poverty, and you know, again, Rob especially, largely, you know, maybe just because of edit, um, but also because his name literally wasn't a target this week. Um I think that he's using that, right? He's using his intimidation. And, you know, some people might not be comfortable with that. And some people might be right. That's not a great technique for long-term success, but I think that's what he's got. All he's got is, you're not going to vote for me this time now, are you? And so far, the answer is no, which is kind of surprising. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is Rob is trading on his legend, and it's certainly working with people like Ben and Adam. Um Adam seems terrified to go after Rob. And as someone who was not thrilled to see Adam on this season, I'm thankful he's here strictly because of that. (laughs) Like Adam counseling people that it's too soon to go after the biggest targets in the game. Thank you for that, Adam. Like that, that is your potential one redeeming quality for me as a member of this cast. Yeah. And then look around like Michelle's the same way. It's like, we could do the easy thing. Please say that. Please say that. Please say that. Like, Well, so the other thing that I was going to tack on to that is that you mentioned getting other targets in front of them. And, you know, in this case, it was Danny. But I also think we got a little bit of another target falling into their laps right in front of them and them hammering that home at Tribal Council because 
man, did they hang Ben out to dry and like did everything they could to make everyone else see like Ben is not the person you want to work with. Ben is a wild card. He's insane. He's like, it, it takes nothing to fluster this guy. So what, what did you think of that tribal council interaction with Ben? Yeah. And it's the second time that Rob's done this with Ben, right? Uh, yeah. And for one, I enjoyed it. Not just because, you know, my guy was getting over. I'm enjoying what Brand is bringing so far. Um, you know, one potential fear of like an all winter season is like, you know, too much competence can, you know, start to look like, you know, almost like, you know, uh, parody. But, uh, cause part of the fun of Survivor is people getting over on one another. And Ben is giving us that. Where, I, I don't even think he's playing spectacularly poorly. He just gets flustered in moments like this. And it allows you to really, you know, it, it's comical for one, yes. and it also allows you to appreciate the people that are doing it. It's, again, seeing, like, Robin Parv doing some, you know, Robin Parvity things. Uh, and then, you know, that extends to the idol thing, which, you know, was a, an, a show of power by Rob that, again, I think makes a lot of people uncomfortable, not just from the bully perspective, but just like, oh, man, you don't want to show your cards like that. Oh, man, he's putting a big target on himself. He's not putting a big target on himself. He is using the target he's already has and will continue to have forever. Uh, but what's interesting about that is that, uh, for one, he didn't have to work that hard. Right? No. He just says, hey, let's just show. And then, like, people are like, oh, I guess I'm doing it now. Um, the only people that were reticent about it were the people with knowledge about where the idol was. The, you know, the two holders of it and Ben. Um, so I, I'm actually going to be interested to find out if, you know, Rob picked up on that. Yeah. See, I, I get the impression he did not. I think it definitely Denise played it very well. Adam was the only one that probably had a tell there. And I don't know if Rob picked up on it or not. Yep, I'm, there's no way to know, right? Until the next episode starts, yeah. There was like an, a camera angle, but like judging reactions at tribal council is fool's gold. Right. Yeah, you know, that could have been like from the last tribal council for Christ's sakes. Um, but yeah, it's just like he just does these things and people do it in part. You no, know, for one, for everybody else, yeah, I don't have the idol. Sure, let's do it. It's kind of funny. Let's go. But it also shows that yeah, he is not. Um, afraid to use the power he has and frankly like that's how he succeeds as survivor it's also how he doesn't succeed right rob plays a very you know hit or miss game he doesn't go for singles he doesn't bunt the ball uh which is why you know he's gone he's been a finalist twice and he's never made a jury he's been pre-merged twice um and and it's it's compelling i find to see but also um a lot of people after the episode were kind of marveled, like, I can't believe he did that. He went full mob boss. How is he getting these people to do what he wants? You know, are these people stupid? And I've, I've heard for like, I don't know what, almost a decade now that only like the dumbest cast in the history of ever who were all newbies against a four time player could ever be so stupid as to A, do whatever Rob tells them to and B, not vote him out immediately. Yet, here we are with a cast that I believe does not meet other of those qualifications. Is it possible just maybe that Rob can do these sort of things? I, a, yes. But B, back to the Ben thing, I, I'm i with you on enjoying just what Ben is bringing to the season. To the point that I think, like, you know, I said that he is the JT of this season. I, I think maybe now... A JT type should be a requirement for an all-star season because this is good. This is gold, what he's giving us. And I can, I feel like I can almost read what's happening with Ben. You can tell like he prefers to be able to have time to digest things and think things through. And all it takes is just pressing him and he falls apart. And Rob 
very quickly picked up on that and has just been exploiting the shit out of it. <laughs> and it's fun to watch. Like, I don't think it's bullying. I think Rob has found an exploit with Ben and is making as much use of that as he can. And to my original point, I think that has now set up Ben as the type that they can align around and be like, look, we got to get Ben out. He's too much of a wild card. We can't trust this guy if we have our alliance. So it's interesting to watch the Masters at work. And maybe I'm giving them too much credit that they don't deserve, but this is my read on it. I mean, everybody opened their bags, right? Like, that's not something we're inventing. It happened. You know, whether, like, that could be the thing that finally pushes them over the edge and be like, no, no, we're tired of being pushed around. Let's take out Rob. But, and this, this group can do it. Again, if it happens next week, I will not be shocked. But it happened, right? Like, he said a thing and everybody's like, oh, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. And I think, like, a big part of his power is, like, he'll just say the thing. Yeah, and so many people are not used to saying the thing, right? They, they, they talk around it. They, you know, it's, it's whispered secrets. We say it to somebody and hear from somebody else. But, you know, what he's done these past two episodes, he's just said it right in front of you. Yeah. So, you know, like, oh, I've heard some names thrown around. Like, who's? Me? Who said that? Like, he's just asking, like, oh, I can't believe, why are you asking such direct questions? Ah. Yeah. And at Tribal Council, he's just like, Hey, why don't we find out who has the idol? Everybody's like, eh, is this really happening? Like, I think that's, he's able to just, you know, and a part of it again is the legend, yeah. right? Like he just already has the presence and people are already seeding control without him even having to ask for it too much. It's kind of like Omar just like going to the store for Honey Nut Cheerios in his pajamas. Yep. It's like, like, I don't feel like he's extending a lot of effort to get this level of influence because we see on the other side, they don't want it, man. This other group just don't want it. That's not how they play Survivor. And like, again, they were successful not playing Survivor that way. But I think like a lot of people have won Survivor not by seizing control of it but by you know allowing control to move around and picking their spots rob does never played that way he's incapable of playing that way his ego will not allow him to play that way he has to take control and right now they're like okay cool because i don't want to be seen as taking control whether that'll be a 39 day uh exercise I, I i doubt it but it's working right now and frankly like that's the thing that russell hans does too he just goes after it and everybody's kind of like ah and that's what tony did yep, right 100%. it's just like a it's just that's like the dynamic that i'm finding fascinating like the all the conversations where everybody's like, yeah, oh yeah, no, 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 we have to do take, take them out, but, uh, I don't know about now. Like, the guy just lost you a challenge. Like, that was all on Rob, that <laughs> loss. To the point that Ethan walked up to him afterwards and was like, hey buddy, you fucking sucked out there. <laughs> Which was a highlight of the episode, by the way. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it's like, it's still like Rob, the oldest guy in all the tribe, all this, and it's still just like, oh, okay, okay, we can't do anything. And it's just like, this is like the third season I've now seen him do this. It makes me think that maybe it's more of a thing than, you know, the detractors who, you know, discredit his one win, whatever one of it. Cause like the, in All Stars, a tribe literally voted the way he asked when he wasn't on it. It's just like a weird thing. And I think part of it is just like, He'll just ask you, and people, and myself very much, especially included, uh, don't like confrontation. And he's not afraid of confrontation. And I think there is some stuff that we don't necessarily see. Because if if you watch some of the scenes that they've shown, like Dalton Ross on Entertainment Weekly, he'll generally have a secret scene every week. Um, this week's was, I don't even remember the context, they're sitting around. 
Jeremy says something and Rob like goes out of his way. Like the conversation starts to move on and Rob goes out of his way to be like, man, you know, Jeremy made a really good point right there. And it's just that subtle complimenting and letting you know, like, man, I respect you. That's a level of charm that you don't often see. And that one didn't even make the edit. So people are going to say like, oh, you know, why would Jeremy come to Rob? Uh, it's because of stuff like that. Like he's making people feel comfortable, even if they know they shouldn't trust Rob, they can be like, well, you know, temporarily I could align with this guy because he gets it. He's got a head for the game. We could be partners short term. He's just good at survivor, man. And I get it. I get wanting to align with him. Yeah. And it's just like, does it all fall apart? Yeah, sure. I mean, probably, because I always felt it would, you know, like, I don't know how you let that guy continue on too far, but they are so far, and it's been kind of fun. Uh Let's move on to other people. I, I know people will be surprised that I'm interested in other people, but, like, I mean, I don't feel like I'm, uh, you know, using my you know, Boston Rob colored glasses to suggest that he was a high point of the narrative this episode. I think that's a real thing. Um But other things happen. Uh How do we th- uh, think uh, about how Denise handled getting the idol? Well, okay, so this also ties into the Ben thing. Like, Ben, I saw a lot of people shitting on Ben for, like, trying to develop his social game by teaching Denise to idol hunt, but that's not nothing. Like, he is trying. I mean, he has one skill at this game, finding idols. It's not a super useful skill, especially this early on. So if he can develop his game and get an actual alliance that could carry him if he didn't have an idol. That's something. You know, I appreciate that he's trying to develop his game. Yeah, it's showing also, like, like a willingness to share and all of that. Like, he's not just, you know, Ben Bombs and going after and all playing for himself. So, yeah, no, I thought he did well in that situation. And in this case, it worked. Denise found the idol. Um, it just happened to be one of those idols where you have to share the other half of it with someone. I wasn't super clear on if it permanently has to be shared with somebody else or if it's just the the thing they did in uh Edge of Extinction where, you know, like, hold this for me for three days. Yeah, you're right. Edge of Extinction, that's when it first happened, yeah. Um Yeah, me neither. I, I, like, you know, the one thing that we got is, like, it had to be shared by, like, Sundown right. or whatever, like, whatever Rumpelstiltskin rules or reason or whatever. Um, I don't think that's wrong. Yeah, whatever. Too. It's, it's fine. Gremlins? <laughs> yeah, you can't water the idol after midnight. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, um, she is with Ben when she gets it. You would think, okay, well, Ben knows about the existence of the idol. Yeah, cat's already out of Why the bag. Why doesn't she just give it to Ben? <laughs> He's standing right there. And she even says, hey, to Ben's credit, he didn't say, give me the other half of the idol, which, Good for him for not pushing. But then Denise goes and says, hey, Adam, who is clearly her number one, you can have this half of the uh, idol. And Adam says, oh, good. Does anybody else know about this? Yeah, Ben does. He was with me when I found it. And Adam distinctly says, fuck, (laughs) because other people have picked up on Ben's inability to control himself. Then... Denise starts spitballing with her partner, like, oh, what what should we do? Blah, blah, blah. Should we give it to Parvati? And here is where my interest in well-played strategy collides with my rooting interest. (laughs) Because (laughs) 
suggesting that she give it to Parvati is 80 to 85% a very, very dumb move. <laughs> because, sure, it's possible that Parvati is like, wow, I can trust you. I'm going to bring you in. You're part of my alliance now. The more likely scenario is Parvati goes and snitches on her to Rob, and they're like, so we're definitely taking her out, right? Yes. And then she gets voted out right there. Adam does counsel her correctly in saying, are you fucking crazy? Don't do that. <laughs> but rooting interest me is like, damn it, Adam, you're ruining a potentially great thing. Like, I I so desperately will want to root for either the 20% chance that Denise gets looped in with Robin Parvati and Ethan, or I want to root for Rob and Parvati and Ethan to clown on somebody. And I hate for it to be Denise, but at the same time, like has to be somebody, right? So it would have been fucking fun. So yeah, it was, you know, yes, Adam did the right thing, but damn it, not for entertainment's sake. Yeah, no, I, uh, it was, it was sad, almost sad seeing like Denise go through that and like, you know, here's the defense that it's like, you know, it's fair and some people put, um, clearly there's a relationship between Denise and Parvati that we have not been privy to. It has not made the, uh, the, the uh, edit. There's no way Denise would just like randomly choose her. So, you know, I think there probably is something to that, um, credit to Parvati and all that, but it's just like, that's still insane. You know, like, <laughs> If you really had that relationship, then Parvati would be the person you're talking to about this, not Adam. Um, you know, like, again, and it's just symbolic. Uh, these people are afraid a bit. They're afraid or charmed or something. And frankly, like, the fact that, and, you know, days have passed in between, so it's hard to say if this is what it is then now. But the fact that Denise was even considering that Parvati could be the person that, like, you know, she barters with to gain some kind of control and foothold in the game kind of furthers the point that we were making earlier that it's really not five on three, right? Like, mm -hmm. clearly Denise wasn't feeling so secure with those other four, um, you know, not Adams or, frankly, Ben. So basically not Jeremy and Michelle, that she's looking for safe harbor with poverty. Um, so, you know, the, the three Ethan, poverty Rob is not a majority, but it might be the strongest three, and that might be enough within this group for as long as this group exists. Uh, but yeah, no, it's just so bad. When I, like, yeah, it, it's tough when I'm watching a scene and I'm like, Adam is running circles around. Yes. And <laughs> it was heartbreaking, right? Yeah. And like, moreover, it's just like, oh, and how does that end up? You know, she, she gives it to Adam, which is like, it's a fine choice. Really, it's probably at this stage in the game, don't get cute. If you have somebody you can trust, that's the person you work with in this scenario. Uh, it's contrasted in what the other one we're about to talk to, but it's like, if you, if your other choice is, let's use this as a, uh, 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 an alliance building tool. Ben! Ben is the choice! You know, right. Not Parvati, the person that who already has the secret. So it's like, you know, it, it's out there anyway. If we want to use this to reel somebody in, because I already know I have Adam, we're working with somebody, then it's Ben, who, you know, again, I thought Ben played that great. He didn't even, like, insinuate, or, like, some level of expectation, like, this is you and me. He was the one that's like, oh, yeah, we should, we should use this to, you know, solidify a bond. And, you know, Denise is like, yeah, but then she doesn't really, right? She just talks to the person that she already has one with. Which, again, I'm fine with, until, you know, she's, like, asking him if it should be poverty, and she's just like, oh, no, no, this isn't what I want for my legends. I know. Yeah, I mean, 
It's not a legacy destroying moment, but at the same time, it was, no, no. it was not covering herself in glory. It was a little disappointing for those of us that have built Denise up over the years. Yeah. And look, you know, more than recoverable, oh, not sure. a big deal, but it's just in that moment, it's just like, whoa, really? And, and frankly, like, it's probably like the biggest example we've had in these two episodes of, you know, the game that poverty's playing that we're not seeing. Uh, because, you know, there's no other reason that I can think of that Denise would think for Parvati other than, A, you know, correctly assessing that Parvati holds a lot of power and wanting to some, hopefully, for some level of protection from that power. But B, yeah, they had to have made some kind of connection since they got out there. Also, maybe Parvati flirted with her and Denise. Maybe. I mean, it's been known to work in the past. So. Yeah, she's not made of stone. All right, so that... Didn't go well, but in the end, I think you know, Adam sadly limited the damage yeah. um, to basically none, other than yeah, you know, reputationally uh, amongst people watching on TV, and we ain't shit. Adam living up to his role and killing the fun. <laughs> uh, the other side of this, because uh, we had the exact same situation happen with this unique idol, <laughs> they call it unique, yeah. and then like, yeah, you know. I don't think they know what that word means. <laughs> um. Kim finds the other idol, and now she has to make a similar decision. Um, how do you think that went down? So, again, I saw some criticism of this because Kim went to Sophie, um, and people were like, oh, are you freaking idiots? And even Sophie was like, whoa, what the hell are you doing, Kim? Are you nuts? So, just to break it down for you, like, look at the other options on that tribe. The first vote, she was like left fluttering in the wind, like Sandra laughing in her face because of this potential poker alliance. So she clearly cannot be like, Hey Tyson, come walk off in the woods with me. Cause that's a terrible look when she's trying to deny the existence of a poker alliance. She cannot go to Sandra after what we saw in the last episode. Tony and Sarah would also be insane people for her to try to give an, uh, an idol to. I don't know that she has any relationship with Nick, Wendell, or Sophie, or Yule. So, her best bets from that group of four are probably Sophie or Yule. Um, she's at least done, I think, some podcast stuff with Sophie before. So, she has, like, some passing familiarity with her and, like, respects Sophie on some level and knows that Sophie respects her. Um, and I think Yule had noted that he tried to signal to Kim after that last tribal council that he was open to bringing her in. Um, so really she had two options and she chose one of those two options. I don't think that was a bad idea. Like maybe it didn't work quite as effectively as she hoped. The confessional from Sophie seems to suggest that it didn't, but at the same time, the options don't abound on this tribe. Yeah, so what I didn't like about it, and I think it's continuing, uh, Kim is having a little trouble finding her footing. Yes. And obviously she's in a very tough position to do so. A lot of it being, um, you know, reputation based, right? And outside of the game stuff. But there was a, a hint of desperation, and you, you know, I think you did a good job breaking down all the series of poor choices, especially when you recognize, like, you know, she was almost busted with it with, from people who you do not want. To see this, right. you know, Tony and I can't remember who was with Tony, but Tony's enough. I think it was Nick. Um, I think it still requires, and and it was a ticking clock. This thing, you know, had to be done within hours, but I don't feel like it was like near, you know, sunset here. Uh, I think she rushed to a decision because she is 
flailing a bit, which is unsettling to see. Uh, I think, yeah, m- much like Danny, uh, targeting poverty right away. It's like, uh, which Danny had much less time. Obviously, there's not usually a lot of time between challenge and tribal council. I think, yes, you suss it out a bit more before you're like, hey, come over here. And again, is that easy? No, obviously there's fewer opportunities to, you know, go against somebody, but this, is something that required a level of patience and control that she did not have in that moment, which again is unusual because she that she had that in spades last time, and it just shows the season's gonna be weird, man. Like you know, you're under attack, and frankly, what it also does is like show that like how are Parvati and Rob doing it? Because yeah, Kim, you know, they're probably their equal was, you know, attacked right away and is still, you know, spinning, trying to find something. I think the answer is, uh, you know, Kim is playing against Yule and Parvati and Rob are not. Yeah. And I think Sophie too. Let's not leave Sophie out of that. I think yes. the Yule-Sophie combo is potent. Um, whether that will have legs and whether they'll be able to retain that remains to be seen. But at the same time, like, I think one of those two are the ones that she had to go for. Well, the third option that is going to be discussed is uh, if you have those discussions with people and you never get the vibe that this is somebody you could trust with this, then you didn't find an idol. And that's the third one. Yeah, uh, I feel like you take the risk. You know, you don't win this game without taking risks. And mm-hmm. honestly, Tyson is probably the least risky, but it's in the fact that like Tyson would do it. But I think getting the space to talk to Tyson was the most risk because you yep. you just can't be seen trying to align with that guy after you spent all this time denying that there was any sort of pregame bond that might be in play here. So uh, she's in a tough position. I mean, she's got to dig her way out yep. and you know, she's throwing a Hail Mary, like whether this pans out or not, who knows? Um, personally, I probably would have gone with Yule, but I get her going with Sophie just because she has more familiarity with Sophie. Uh, Yule is somebody who's proven a history of being very reasonable in these exactly. discussions. He, he can very much deal with the rational exchange of like, we need to do X. This furthers our game in this way. Are you in on this with me? And Yule would be like, hmm, I've evaluated your proposal. It makes sense. Yes. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I just don't think she had, like, this, this was a bad advantage for her. I don't think she had a good choice because, like, the, the option is, like, even if it's Tyson, like, is it in Tyson's best interest to go along with this for her? Because what this means is, next vote split, Tyson's going home if dynamics in the ground camp haven't shifted from the last vote. Right? Uh, and it's the same thing. Like, yeah, you will might, yeah, I think you would you know, do what Sophie did. Yeah, you know, talking, oh yeah, that's really good. And all this, but it's like, Yule doesn't want Kim to have an idol. Sophie doesn't want Kim to have an idol. So I think, you know, the, the, the sad truth of it is, is Kim didn't find that idol. She found a useless half of an idol. Unless, again, like, time. Time is what she needs. Yep. And, you know, a swap happens, and if she's still on the same side as Sophie, and now they're down numbers, oh, man, that'll work out perfectly. Uh, so, yeah, to your fact, maybe that's why you take the shot. I don't know if the target got any bigger on her. Uh, she, but what also didn't happen is she didn't actually find an idol just yet. Because there, it is yet to be proven that Sophie would then turn around and be like, well, here you go. The way that, like, you know, Rick Devins did. Or we shall see. Um, yeah. All right. But the one other interesting thing about that tribe was 
totally unrelated to strategy. Well, not totally unrelated. I guess, yes, he did make a spin on how this would be strategic. On, on the surface, totally unrelated to strategy. The Tony Ladder scene, yes. which A, was beautiful, and B, contrasted magnificently with the earlier scene of Yule retrieving the breadfruit from the tree, because holy shit, you could not give more perfect metaphors for their gameplay than those scenes that we saw. Yule, like, methodically developing this safe and effective tool with which he can retrieve the breadfruit. And Tony throwing something together haphazardly and having no regard whatsoever for the consequences. Could you more perfectly sum up their games? Yeah, no, I mean, like, some people are like, oh, that ladder is, like, his Game Changers game. It's like, no, no, it's his Kogyan game. Just like, I'm just gonna do this thing, and everybody's gonna watch around waiting to see it fail, and no, in the end, it'll still work, because of his, I don't know, power of self-belief? <laughs> like, I... <laughs> I think there's some saying, like, never doubt the power of a motivated idiot. Like, man, he was, like, fearless, to the point that Tyson was like, I'm pretty sure this guy's gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> it was wild. And Tyson got in some great lines about, like, this is a man that enforces the law. <laughs> oh, no, Tyson was great in that. Like, I remember, so many people were great in that whole thing. It's just like, yes, God bless. God bless. Thank you, Tony, for being back on our TV. And thank you. Like, I don't think if, if I mean, Tony himself can always turn the tides one way or another. But, like, if they were to go to Tribal Council next week, he, he is not entering the episode as the target. No. And, um... It's nice to know that we get these moments of levity, even in a season with all these big name heavyweights that we're expecting some huge strategy and shifting alliances and all this power. But at the same time, you're getting the fun stuff, you know, like it, it's, it's a nice balance and damn did Tony deliver tonight. Don't break it. Oh no, it's supposed to do this. <laughs> it's not really together, man. The rungs are supposed to fall off. That's how ladders oh, work. Oh, God bless you, Tony. Please, never oh, uh, never leave our screens this season, which I'm confident in saying that's not going to oh, happen man. because of, you know, the uh, vile thing we're going to talk about next. But no, it, I loved it. And, you know, his scenes, you know, just with Sarah and reinforcing their bonds and all that, that was great, too. It's just like, you know, Tony, I, I think, you know, is like an innovative and exciting game player, but more than that, he is just one of the best television personalities this show has ever had. Uh, he's such a beautiful clown, and I love it. I, I I would just watch Tony endlessly. He's so great. Yeah, and it's just this lesson. So all of us, you know, every, everybody who watches this is like uh cheaties. All of us cheaties, you know, on the internet, they're like, you are always so worried and all this indecision about what we're going to do. And then there's just Tony just, you know, uh, you know I'm just doing it. This is great. It's going to work out. I have it all planned out, you know. And it's just like, man, maybe some of us should just fucking do it every once hey, in a while. You know what? I, I, I was going to write a Tony hype post before this season. And do you know that like little game or app or whatever, like Crossy Road? Where you just have to make the, yeah. ch it's basically Frogger, but with a freaking chicken crossing yeah, yeah, road. So Tony's game is essentially playing crossy road and just going up, 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 and just throwing caution to the wind. Like, Hey, let's see how far I can make it. If I just keep hitting up as fast as I can before I get hit by a fucking car. And you know, one out of a thousand times that might actually work out for you. And Tony's Kagayan game was that one out of a thousand times. And. I just want him to keep, I want to watch the other 999 times just because it's fun. I, I, yeah. it's so entertaining. Yeah. And as many people pointed out, Tony, uh, uh, 
you know, constructing and then using a, a, a suicide ladder. Is, this is tone, tone down Tony. This is him <laughs> being, you know, reeling it in. Exactly. This is the calm version of Tony that he promised us. So, and, and, and I think we were worried, right? It's like, you know, Tony can't be the wild man and succeed. Uh, and, you know, we want him to at least succeed enough to be on the, on the show for more than one episode. But, is a lesser Tony still an exciting Tony? And the answer is, yeah, it turns yeah. out. Don't worry. Like, even if he brings it down a notch, it's, there, there are so many notches. Like, he didn't turn that amplifier to 11 in Kagiyan. He, he went all the way back around. So, you know, there's, there's room to tone down and not lose the Tony Vlachos effect. It's great stuff. Um, let's turn to some other stuff that maybe didn't quite deliver on the level of Tony. What were your thoughts on, uh, Edge of Extinction this episode? So ultimately, it is why uh, at the beginning of you know our podcast episode is like it wasn't as good as the finale because man, those scenes were nothing. Man, they they, they brought nothing to the proceedings, the the edge of extinction uh, things, and it, and it's the 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 biggest complaint that everyone always has, not just about edge of extinction, but just of you know third location type stuff is like I, I would have rather spent that time elsewhere. I would rather spend that time with all of these engaging characters that we have still in the game than watching people kind of, you know, look around for something and not even find it in the way that, you know, could have been at least, you know, admirable. Eventually, Natalie just went to water for water when Amber didn't. Like, so, like, it didn't even pay off of, like, oh, this person, like, like, at least, like, we saw, like, uh, I believe it was Devins who, like, figured out, like, the, the Mad Magazine folding over clue and, like, oh, I guess that's kind of clever. Like, we didn't even get that. It's just two people moping around until they find a thing and then, you know, oh, what the, the, the challenging decision of selling it to her ally. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I was watching that episode live and I, play freaking word games all the time so they flash the thing on the screen that amber's reading and as she's reading it i say to my wife like that says uh water well and my wife's like what i'm like that just said water well and so i'm like oh shit i need to tweet that out so i look like a genius and i tweeted it i have no idea if i got it out in time because they very quickly then highlighted the sign to show you that it said water well and i was like ah I wanted to look like a fucking genius and I'm sure I was scooped and look like an idiot. Like, yeah, we could read buddy, but yeah, well, um, <laughs> anyway, I agree with you. Like just overall that didn't add much of anything to the show. Yeah. I just want to say that like, uh, yeah, no, I mean, what people say is true. I don't disagree, but we're not going to complain about it every episode unless it becomes a big hamper, you know, for like the five minute segment, it was, I would have preferred another five minutes, but the rest of the episode is pretty great. Yeah, so instead, let's move on to happier discussions, happier topics. Who's impressing you so far? We've had, we've now had, nine, nope, I was going to say 90 minutes. Untrue. We've had three hours so far. Through these first three hours, who's exceeding your expectations? So I'm absolutely loving Ethan. Fuck yeah. Uh, yeah. First off, as a television personality, uh, yeah, just like the energy he's bringing this season is just 
everything that I want. He's clearly just loving that this is the, the experience that he's getting. And yeah, the, the scene of, you know, dude, you fucking sucked or whatever it was. That was so great. It was so great. It was just diffuse the situation and Rob, Rob's like, ah, oh, bro. And like, yeah, like Adam, I think, less self nervous laugh, like, oh my God, you're actually saying that. Um, but yeah, he is. He's, 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 he's Ethan, man. Um, but also I think he's playing really well. Like he's the one that's like involved in all of this. As people are like old school alliance, old school alliance, but they're still talking to him when they're talking about things. So like, I think think like he's got a really good role within the tribe that you know if if the hits start coming at poverty and rob i don't know that they're gonna hit ethan you know like yeah i guess like he could be the edgardo of the situation but it's starting to feel like those hits are going for poverty first um uh so like i think he's playing really well but moreover i'm just enjoying everything we get absolutely i mean far and away the like unexpected bright spot of the season for me i didn't have much in the way of expectations for ethan coming into this season but Man, what a freaking delight that guy is. You can tell he's enjoying himself and it comes across watching him. And as you said, I think this is working out really well for him, for him from a gameplay perspective because mm-hmm. it just seems like he's got this carefree, fun-loving attitude to the point that it's disarming. Like he's Yeah. It, it, no, he's basically going on a charm offensive by just being seeming so happy to be there. And I think that, you know, people will let that slide for a long time thinking like Ethan's not really playing, but meanwhile, everyone's loving Ethan. And then at some point, everyone's going to say, Oh shit, wait, everyone's loving Ethan. We got to get Ethan out of here. But I think, man, it's, it's really working out for him and it's working out from a TV perspective. So bravo, Ethan. I'm so glad we got you this season. Yeah, um, we, you touched upon it really quickly, but I think Sophie has done really well so far. Uh, you know, both, you know, positioning herself as I think one of the decision makers within her tribe, but also like, you know, they've leaned on her a few times as a narrator and I think she's done well, like explaining, you know, what, where she's at in the game, what's happening, all that. Like, you know, I mean, she got to one up Kim in a confessional. Um, so I, I'm impressed with Sophie so far. Yeah. And you know, it pains me to do this, but credit to Adam. Yes, he's on my list too. He did give the the right strategic advice in this episode. I I hate that he did it, but at the same time, it was a correct play. And uh, I am happy for his incorrect play in his absurd level of timidity to go after Rob or Parvati. Like, thank you for being terrified. Thank you so much. It it makes my viewing experience better. And like in the first episode, he you know very definitely got the target off of him and Denise. I will say, like, I think that was where the two days really helped because, um, yeah, he was targeted. Or they, the two of them were basically because they were missing when, at a time when everybody noticed. It's a little flimsy, so I think two days helps. But, you know, he did it, and he got it moved on to somebody of much higher value than him. Um, now, I'm hoping that, like, he did not handle the, the, the full court press at Tribal Council. Like, he handled it the worst. Sure. Uh, which is unfortunate, like, everything he's saying is true, that, oh, okay, I'm doing it, this is dumb. It is dumb. But, you know, thou doth protest too mm-hmm. much. We'll see if anything comes of that. But, uh, you know, until that point, and who knows even if that is a thing, yeah, he's done well. What other names are impressing you? Uh, I, that was my list so far. Oh, yeah, obviously, you know, the people we've discussed in great level, but yeah, Ethan, Sophie, and Adam. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say Ben continued to deliver in this episode. Yep. Um, again, two of the people that I was, very, very down on before the season coming through. 
Uh, last but not least, even though we didn't get much of him in this episode, still Yule. Like, I'm, I'm just happy Yule's there. And then part of that's probably fueled by his, his Twitter. Like, Yule's back on social media and he's funny and he's engaging and I'm just enjoying it, man. Like, this season is somehow better than I expected. Like, I, I always wanted this all winter season, but I don't think I ever conceived of exactly how it would feel to watch and, it's great. It is like what I expected and yet somehow better than I expected at the same time. And I, I just can't get enough of it. Inject this shit into my veins. Like I, I don't want this season to end. All right. Well, uh, we'll just kind of do what we're saying. We're always going to hand it off. It's like just thoughts and hopes for the next episode or the next, you know, for the future or the, the near future of the season. Uh, I'll just start. I mean, it, I think it's plainly clear. And I think everybody's picked up on this. Rob versus Sandra is coming. That is going to be a story. Oh, and you know what? And this, this, I can't believe we did not discuss this earlier in the podcast. So when they come to the mats at the challenge, um, you know, they probes announces Amber is gone. Rob knew, of course, but then we see scenes of Rob clearly looking over. And to me, it was 100% clear. He's trying to catch Sandra's eye and get a read on her. And she's dodging it, and he knows exactly what that means. Is that how you read it? Um, I was mostly uh, viewing to see if he'd blow up or not. You know, good for him for at least covering. But I mean, the stare was enough, man. That was a, a pretty deep, intense. Stare. Yeah, I he was seething, and you know, <laughs> I agreed with you in the moment. The fact that he kept his composure and was like, "Ah, a game's a game," when you know inside he was like. I will chop your fucking head. <laughs> um, that was such a great scene and said so much with so little that like, you know, it's one of those things where people be like, Oh, how come in other seasons? Why isn't so and so getting a confessional when you can deliver line or that sort of, uh, message with no words at all? Who needs fucking confessionals? They're so fun to watch. I'm so hyped for the season. Yeah, and then earlier, like, when he was like, maybe, the, you know, I got the token from Sandra. I don't really think he thought nope. that. I think he knew pretty clearly it was Amber. That's optimism. That's, like, forced optimism. Like, maybe it is an Amber, and then, like, who else could it be? Everybody's like, oh, it's so crazy that he would think that. It's like, he is not aware that she is mad at him for not telling her that she he was coming on the show. If he knew that that was going to be a potential friendship-ending faux pas, I think he would have picked up the phone. Right. Um, I think now he probably knows that. Yes, I think so now. <laughs> I think he might have gotten that message. So yeah, I think those two are going to square off some, some way, somehow. Probably, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, assume swap would be the best bet. That sounds about right to me. And I'll say this, done looking for Rob because she has an idol and I don't know if he would even anticipate that. Right. Um, his short term goal, I would like Jeremy to come over to Robin Parv. Um, yes. I think that aligns with Jeremy's meat shield strategy and plus that's just something I want to happen. Yeah. And I want like more of a, I want to see them like really try. Like Frank, like that was the one thing I was, you know, like when we were wasting time with Natalie and Amber, it's like, I want to see the fallout. Like, are they bringing Jeremy back? And like, you know, what, how does he feel about that? Like I need to see Rob and poverty uh, really try to, to get Jeremy on their side. You know, I want obviously them to succeed, but it's like, it's kind of killing me. It's like, he he's just out there. You, this this is a guy who is a natural ally. What are you gonna do? Right, and I I think 
there probably has been some movement on that front, but because it's not relative to the story of this episode, we're not seeing it mm-hmm. because we also didn't see anybody else reach out to him. So yeah. it seems likely that he probably has some sort of side, at least partly chosen. I'd like that to be solidified in the near future. Uh, also, I very much want this to work out for Kim. I need her to dig her way back out of that hole. Um, link up with Sophie and Yule. Let them dump Dick, Nick and Wendell. Like, I'm pie in the sky dreaming here. Like, I, I want, I want to go big. Um, and I'm with you. Tribe swap soon. Let's, let's get to some fireworks. Uh, I also want to see Parvati play with people that aren't Robin Ethan. And I don't mean like, you know, be swapped away from them or anything like that, but we haven't really seen Parvati do a lot of work yet. You know, she's, she's kind of been secondary to Rob's story to the point where, again, if there was anybody to blame, like one person to blame, and you know, the truth is probably a group, but like, you know, she dropped the ball with Danny far more than they did because, yeah. Danny didn't come to her and say, let's vote out Rob. Um, and, and I'm as, like, I'm not suggesting she's not doing something. I, I mean, I am suggesting she didn't do enough with Danny, but we haven't seen enough. I want to see Parvati work her magic, not just, uh, you know, kind of cackle with Rob and like te- gang up on somebody with him, but like, yeah, let, let's see her do some things. Let's see how, you know, she got Denise to even consider that plan. All right. That about sums up this episode. Let's tell people where they can find us. All right. We have a website at www.purplerockpodcast.com where we're getting like thousands of comments uh, for posts around there. Uh, so keep it coming. But I will just say, and you know, uh, I very much include myself in this. Uh, keep it civil. I know we're all like really, you know, passionately, um, invested in this season and, you know, attacks on your fave might feel like attacks on you or, you know, that sort of thing. We're not that community. So, you know, if you feel like you're getting heated, take a step back. Cause, um, this is, I've said, I'm not going to let Twitter ruin this experience for me. I'm not going to let my own website <laughs> do it. And I'm not going to, and I will endeavor to not do it for y'all. Good luck. Um, so you yeah. can also follow the show on Twitter at purple rock pod. You can follow Andy at purple rock. Andy. I am at purple rock, John, and you can of course subscribe to us at all the usual places. And it's been a very long time since we mentioned this, but if you wanted to email us for some reason, the email address is purplerockpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we occasionally have gotten some good emails, so I feel like we should at least mention that from time to time. Yeah, maybe people want to send in questions that we can answer later on this season. Who knows? Sounds good. All right. I hope we keep it rolling with more excitement stuff next week, and let's hit some music. <laughs> 